It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. And boy, it feels pretty comfortable in this cockpit today because I welcome back my usual co-pilot. He's been missing missing in action. Actually, he's been in action. He's been missing on the Tim May Podcast for a while. Uh, Austin Ward. Austin Ward, welcome back to the Tim May Podcast, my man, and and uh, welcome back to that seat, my brother. Whew. Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, what a whirlwind it's been the last uh, few weeks. But yeah. I guess, you know, if you're going to take some trips and some working, some not, uh, February is the right time to do it because business is about to pick up again for Ohio State football. They're working, but I didn't have to be because I couldn't be um, in mat drills. That's uh, maybe I should be, but I wasn't. And uh, but Texas and a cruise ship and North Carolina. and I don't even know where else I've been, but it's been uh, great to get away. Not so great to just miss being part of this show, but we're here now and we're ready for March and a lot of spring ball coming. Dude, I don't want to dwell on this, but did you play golf again in North Carolina? Did you do that trip I sure again? Did. I huh? sure did. And wh- where'd not- you play? Just real quick, just give people an idea where you played. This year we did um, the Talamore Resort. So Talamore, we, that was our final course we played on Saturday. Um, Mid-South on Friday and Pine Needles was where we started on Thursday. They're trying to get that course ready for the uh, U.S. Women's Open in June. Yeah. Uh, so some some more fine Pinehurst golf. Uh, <clears throat> and then a Friday afternoon at Thistledew, the putting green at Pinehurst itself, uh, which is one of my favorite places in the entire world uh, with, you know, the beer cart set up and 18, 18 of the most challenging, you know, real holes that you could ever be putting on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, had – seven guys with me for that weekend a nice trip to get away and uh, some some fun was had to be sure did you win any Nassau's or Calcutta's I mean did you I I was a winner I was a winner over the weekend and that's that's the most important part of the equation I guess but uh, I told them I said because the the betting is is fast and furious out there but uh, one of the bartenders asked me at mid-south she's like so or she asked the group who's going to win money today and I said, I don't do it for the money. I only want their pride. That's what I, that's what I play for. Pelts, ladies and gentlemen. Austin Ward plays for pelts. Uh, yeah, I got to play golf in Vegas, uh, Las Vegas, a few weeks ago over the Super Bowl weekend and stuff. Had a great time, you know, and it's, boy, that respite from February uh, in Ohio. I mean, like I said, I love Ohio ever since I moved up here since 1976. I've loved it basically all the time except for the month of February, just which just seemed it's the shortest month that seemed to go on forever, and it's got the worst weather. Agreed. Yeah, and then you cap it with uh, the last day of February. You know that go- good golf weather's coming. Yes, it's my birthday, and then everything else is rolling along from there. So yeah, uh, now I've got got that bug. I think we're gonna have Tim. Looks like maybe some nice weather. Maybe those courses around Columbus will be open on Saturday. We'll see what happens, but. We know it's right around the corner. Yeah, I got a of course. Me and my buddy uh, Paul Spawn Moose are playing uh, probably on Wednesday. So uh, okay, you know. you're not even gonna wait for the weekend. I yeah, I got you. If it's thirty or above and everything's defrosted, that, that's fine enough with me. As long as I don't have to wear wading boots to play. If you follow my draft, but hey, I digress, man. Uh, you know, as I told you, this is a supersonic flight we're taking today because uh, I got places to go, people to see, and uh, on this podcast, I'm very excited because I'm. I welcome in Nick Myers, the uh, <clears throat> Ohio State men's lacrosse coach, um, for a for a set down uh, because his team is off to a ridiculous start, four and zero. Jack Myers, no no relation to Nick Myers, is kind of leading the way there, and uh, boy, they're playing some offense. As as I joke with him, man, they've taken a page out of Ryan Day's book and just they're up, they're on the attack. And uh, we talk about that, and you know, the, an unranked team which is now ranked in the top ten in the nation is going to be playing, playing at Cornell this weekend. And, you know, this isn't just all about Ohio state sports and stuff, but I really, 
I really appreciate these quote Olympic sports or non-rev sports uh, because a lot of them are excelling right now. And I know you know that, but, uh, and he's all fired up because, you know, they're finally going to get a dedicated lacrosse stadium. They've already broken ground for that and uh, will be for both the men's team and the women's team. But it just shows you that uh, Gene Smith and these guys aren't messing around when it comes to having the, the greatest facilities they can put together in terms of just uh, prolificness. Uh, if in fact that's the correct term, but giving everybody a home to where they can then excel, correct? Yeah, and we we talked about that a couple of weeks ago uh, during when Gene Smith had his sort of state of the Buckeyes address, and I wrote about it. Yeah, and, you know the the conversation is always about how much of the resources are being allocated to football. Is it enough? Are they competing with you know everybody else in that national arms race? But you know. And yes, the answer is they are doing that football. And it seemed like for a long time, uh, you know, I'd asked Gene about this as well. There was a resistance to the coaching salaries and things of that sort. And, and part of the reason for that was how proud Ohio State was of the 34, 35 other non-revenue sports and, you know, paying those people at a high level and competing for national championships and going to the NCAA tournament every year. And I think what, you know, because – because I've not been around Ohio State in my entire life, and I know I can compare it to some other places, the way that they, uh, you know, increasingly use the money that comes in from the Big Ten television deal, you know, a lot of the other things that are allocated from the university and things like that to support all these other sports is remarkable. It does not happen everywhere. Yes. Um, it's a short list of, of universities that can compete on that level, that scale, and in that many sports. So that's a a long winded way of saying doing stuff like this is why the overall athletic department is so impressive. And, and also why when we spend 364 days, the rest of the year talking about football, you know, that still does drive the, the bus there, but you know, there's a pride that goes on in, in Columbus and, and on that campus for more sports than that. And they, you know, Women's volleyball, you see what they're doing, the tennis program, uh, obviously lacrosse in this start here. You could go on down the list. I mean, a bunch of incredible coaches and student athletes that aren't just playing that sport that, that occupies our attention. Yeah. The rest of the you know, Nick, Nick and I talked about that. I mean, he, you know, basically that, uh, you know, when they have these head coaches meetings, you know, uh, uh, the athletic part from time there, there's just a sense that everybody in there is getting after, it. you know I mean? There's a, there's a, an aggressiveness to the meetings, even, you know, that uh, you can tell these are all driven people, you know, not just Ryan Day and uh, Chris Holtman, but all these others are just, you know, uh, you know, you see the women's basketball team just won the Big Ten uh, regular season championship, which was picked fifth, you know, in the in in the preseason poll and they go out and they get it done. And uh, same thing with Nick, Nick Myers and, and his lacrosse team. Now they're getting after it uh, kind of in an unexpected fashion, but who knew what coming after out of the last two years of the COVID cycle and uh, you know, what was, what that was going to bring, but uh, there's aggressive uh, aggressiveness is I think is the best way of putting what we're kind of witnessing about Ohio state sports in, in general. Right. It's fun. I mean, you don't have to walk far around that, uh, sort of you know, athlete village that, that is growing seemingly by the day to stumble onto some pretty good sports being played at a high, high level. So it's uh, yeah. actually, we, we spent some time like when Berman and I were on the Buckeye cruise and there were a couple, uh, you know, the volleyball coaches there and they're like, well, I mean, you got to come out and see this atmosphere. If you haven't been in a while, you know, in this building and, you know, they might be able to serve you some cocktails and, uh, the fans are filling it up and it's the right size venue and they they're playing really well. Like, you know, well, bring your kids too, and not just for you. And like, yeah, do that almost any day of the week, it seems like. And, you know, their new facilities, they're nice. And, and you know that, you know, there's a lot of there's thousands of other kids down there that are working really hard to play. And as you said, when you get into those meetings, they're comparing like, all right, well, football team wants to play for national championship every year. That's the standard. Well, that's happening over here. And you don't want to be the program the sport that's falling behind, like, oh, well, we, we finished in the middle of the Big Ten pack. Like, standards are high for everybody over there. Yeah, and you're right. The Cavelli Center is almost the perfect spot. I mean, it's like 4,000 seats, perfect when they were packing that place, you know, for those uh, women's volleyball women's volleyball run. And like like Nick Myers pointed out, you know, a 2,500, 3,000-seat lacrosse stadium is, is 
almost just right. I mean, what they're building there between the uh, Cavelli Center and the Ty Tucker Tennis Center, that's almost the perfect size. I mean, you know, you might draw 3,000, 5,000 people to Ohio Stadium when the uh, lacrosse team plays in there, but it's just they're lost in that place, you know, and uh, 100,000 seats. And, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I, what, what, you know, like Gene Smith and I talked a little bit after that uh, press conference, you know, last week, we can have a go to you were referring to. And, you know, there's no – I don't think there's any sense anymore that you've got to build this ultimate palace for everything, but you want everything to be first-class top-notch, you know. I think the NIL, for example, name, image, and likeness drive now – is sort of superseding is the idea that you got you have to have a water a water wall in the locker room. You just want yeah. sparkling, nice facilities. But the main thing is you want it to be conducive, you know, to building championship teams and uh, and attracting people. But it doesn't have to be ostentatious. Is that the correct term? Is it ostentatious or ostentatious? Not not spelled quite the same way. I don't believe. But um, <laughs> and the other part to your point, Tim, is that. You know, there was this drive for so long. Well, let's have the biggest stadium. Let's have the biggest basketball arena. And Ohio State is actually an example of that. Yes. Where you lose part of the draw, part of the appeal, which is, you know, the atmosphere and um, ambiance, all of that. Like, it, it, we're not breaking new ground to say that that doesn't exist in Value City Arena. It, so find the right size that works because I think it's the things that you're talking about. And I know you went to some of those games and you had, you know, you've had the women's hockey, you know, coach on, you've talked to them, uh, women's hockey players, women's volleyball. volleyball when that yeah. went on. Like, and I know you've went and experienced some of that and seen it. Like you have the right amount of people and it's full and then the noise is trapped. Well, people are going to want to come back for that a lot more. If you just go and like, Oh, I, I could get in because there were 6,000 empty seats for this, that, or the other thing. Like, yeah. Build something that's right. And if, and if you're going to make an error, maybe make it too small. Yeah. Like, that, that Create demand. Yeah. Do it. So yeah. that's happening now for lacrosse. It's another example of that. And yeah. If they're not always going to be sold out for every single game, that's fine too. But when you have those big games and you know that people are going to come in and uh, get a taste of that, well, what keeps them coming back? This is that big debate about what's going on with college football nationally. You know, your, your friend Dennis Todd wrote about the attendance decline nationally last week. Yeah. Well, how do you combat that? You're going to have to come up with creative solutions that counterbalance the thing that we always talk about, which is, you know, sitting in your living room with a, a cold drink in your refrigerator and no line at the bathroom and a 75 inch screen. Like, you know, how do you do that? Well, you make it so that you don't want to miss being there. And that's true for all of those quote unquote non-revenue sports as well. Yeah. I had a podcast about the declining uh, attendance in, uh, in major college football, uh, couple of years ago and i had uh, not during the COVID era obviously yes. that yeah. wasn't a decline that was a waterfall but uh that was niagara falls uh, but uh but the bottom line was you know i had dennis i think dennis had him on then you know we dennis died and we talked about that and uh you know these these schools are trying to find ways to attract people but also like you just pointed out and i interrupted you a little bit and i'm sure i'll get a comment about that in the comment section below but uh you know, you want to create, you want to create demand, not the opposite. You know, I mean, it's kind of like the chip industry right now, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, where are the chips? But, but the bottom line is uh, like, I've always said, you know, don't talk to me about the palette. Cameron indoor stadium at Duke is one of the greatest places to play a basketball game ever. And how old is that, that place? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like not what the building is. It's what's, being played in the building, you know, I mean, uh, and that, that's where I think some things have gotten lost a little bit. And also the catering, the catering to the, uh, what I call the sweet set, you know, S U I T E. Maybe they, maybe college has got a little bit too far on board with that idea also. Uh, yeah. but, uh, but you know, you can buy your favorite beverage at, uh, I think Ohio state games now anymore costs you about what, what a six pack or a, a case would cost you but you still can get your beverage, right? And right. They're, they're trying, right? That's it. I mean, you got to make that effort. And, and there's no choice. I mean, and I think that Gene Smith, the, the other part, like it's interesting because we, because I was gone, we hadn't really dove into those comments. There were, it was such an interesting press conference for an hour with yeah. him. Like the NCA is always, as he said, too slow to react to all these things. And this, 
this trend has been going on for a long time. And, you know, for years, I mean, you couldn't have probably forecasted that everyone needed to have Wi-Fi for their phone. Like that, that wasn't something that in 2002 would have been front of mind for the attendance dip. Now, it was already happening with or without the phones, but then how long did it take until the horseshoe had uh, that expanding broadband that allowed for everybody in there to at least be able to text or, or catch a highlight or whatever else they need, wanted to do? Yeah. That was that was like three years ago, right? And it still yeah. wasn't perfect. So that's just one example out of thousands that we could give. But you know they're going to have to be more aggressive about finding solutions for that. I think Ohio State's doing a reasonably good job of that. Um, it didn't work with some of the, you know, mobile ticketing. And I know there were fans frustrated in that first year back, but, you know, they, they're trying to change the ticketing model, trying to work on all the other things that go with it. Some things there'll never be a solution for. If you're going to have 100,000 people there parking and traffic, might never get a solution for that. Hey, turned, cool. You better yeah, make sure it's worth it. I turned 68 this month, you know, and uh, but I want to tell you this. I've never had a problem utilizing mobile ticketing. I mean, the using your cell phone i you know obviously on any flight i take anymore you know that's what that's my i don't understand people who have a problem with you know for example uh, that's that's just kind of you got to move on man people live too much in the past in a lot of ways and that's one of them and uh but it uh, you know the only person that can have that mobile ticket is you and once you scan it it's done you know and you know it's wow you know it, it really can't be duplicated the way i understand it so I mean, get with the program, ladies and gentlemen. Don't stand in the way of progress. Other, otherwise, we'd still be uh, behind mule, mule-drawn wagons headed west. You know what I'm saying? Right? <laughs> am I am I right about that? They'd gotten stuck in Wyoming and said, "This is as far as we can go." Look at the Grand Tetons. Oh my, is that in Wyoming? By the way, Grand Tetons. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We can't go any farther. How are we going to get over those things? But well, uh, hey, why would you want to? This seems. Like yeah, and why would you want to? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right about that. I forgot about almost having. I thought that was West Virginia, but it moved west with the pioneers <laughs> to Wyoming. But it starts with a W, but I digress. Hey, we're running out of time here now, so let's get to my main main focus here. Yeah. Uh, you Can you keep it toot sweet? Can you keep it toot sweet? I will give it my best. All right. Uh, your, your one position. Now, this, ladies and gentlemen, this is a uh, – an explainer this doesn't mean that two positions we name and we don't know which what which one we're going to name and if and if he names the one i'm going to name then i'll just name another one there are many positions that need shoring up for one of another term on how state football team as it jumps into spring practice starting next week i think it's next tuesday is that correct uh awesome that is my understanding oh, oh i had a freudian there austin i don't want your mom throwing at me uh uh, but uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to ask Austin to name one position he's got his eye on. We'll come back and name other positions as as pre as spring practice goes on because we'll have plenty to talk about. But Austin, as you sit here going into into spring practice, I keep wanting to call it preseason because it feels like an early preseason more than it does spring anymore. If you follow my, my drift and the way things go now, um, by the way, I think follow my drift is now my is now my phrase instead of, but I digress. Uh, but what is one position, not the only position, what is one position you've definitely got your eye on going into the spring that needs to get figured out? Yeah, you told me not to name a whole unit. You wanted me right. to really narrow the focus. I think linebacker is the most fascinating unit as a whole. Now, I think that Steel Chambers, we know what he can do sort of roaming around and with his athleticism. I think now part of this is I answered is that Jim Knowles has got this clean slate. Yeah. You Tristan cheated Parker. by the way, but go ahead. I know I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to cheat. I'm trying to explain that I, you know, I don't know 100% based off of one or two conversations with Jim Knowles. Yeah. What he sees in the personnel. I think if it were me, I'd say, well, steel chambers has got to be floating around and roving and playing as that outside linebacker. So, you know, if they're going to play with the two in the four, two, five, what does that other position need to be? So I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what, to, I don't know if I should call it middle linebacker, something else in this scheme. We're going to learn about that as we go into spring. Does that person need to be built like Tommy Eichenberg to go in there and stop the run? And he was really 
for whatever, you know, I know why he came in for criticism early in the year and he wasn't, didn't have any tackles against Tulsa. If you paid attention to how much better he got from September uh, through the Rose Bowl, he was showing why everyone else was so confident in his abilities. And he's, he's more athletic than I think he gets credit for. I mean, I know he's always compared to tough Borland. Well, I think you saw the value of having somebody like tough Borland last year when they weren't stopping the run against Oregon. Now I digress. The point is, is that someone like, you know, Tommy, I can bring that you want in there. Is that something that Cody Simon, if he's healthy with the shoulder, does he fit that best? Yeah. Want to have two guys who move around and, and then put maybe a Mitchell Melton next to steel chambers. That's a, that's an, I don't have the answer to that. And I know that I wasn't trying to cheat, but I just feel like those two spots, I don't, I don't know yet what Jim Knowles really wants. And maybe he doesn't either yeah. until you get into a couple of weeks of practice and it shakes out and this is going to do that. Or this is the other thing. And that's what's so fascinating to me because it has to be at linebacker. And I feel like there's more confidence in steel chambers and then you work the rest. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because like you said, uh, what does, what does coach Knowles want in those two linebacker spots? If in fact he sticks to the four, two, five idea, concept yeah. or as you know as i'm calling it the uh, three and a half two and a half five <laughs> because of that leo position uh but what what does he want yeah. and uh does, does he want one of those linebackers to definitely be basically not stuck in concrete but like a concrete pillar there you're not going to run the ball you know between yeah. the bet, between the guards so to speak you got you're going to have to always be moving to the edge you know what i mean which gives your defense more time to to catch up etc you know, I'm, I'm as interested as you are to see who's going to fit that bill. My position is backup quarterback, only because Ohio State has been blessed, really, uh, the last three, last four years, really, with not having, without having, not having to play as backup quarterback, with the exception of a couple of plays that right. mattered. I know you agree with me on that, but uh, how long can that run last? Well, you hope it lasts forever because C.J. Stroud's one of our favorite people. And he's also going to be, in my opinion, he should be considered the Heisman Trophy favorite, but he definitely will be among the top three to return to New York for a shot at the Heisman Trophy. So you want to see him have a hell of a year. But Cal McCord and then Devin Brown, you know, the number, you know, Devin Brown considered the number one player in the class of 2022 by uh, on three, you know, our, is that our mother? What What is on three? Is that our ownership organization? What, how, would, how would you describe it? Our mother? Mother organization or father organization? What is it? What's on three.com? Uh, they are our network. I don't know the right yeah. terminology yeah. called. Yeah. Our brethren. For we'll, sure. <laughs> we'll call them our brethren. Yeah. And on you three, you know, ordained or, or basically uh, classified him as the number one prospect in the class. But you got Cal McCord, who you know, we both see. Uh, anybody watched the spring game last year, saw him step up, man, the, the more that game went on. And uh, he's the guy you left talking about more than you did uh, C.J. Stroud. So uh, that battle for the backup quarterback, you know, and I hope – I'm sure Ryan's not going to, like, tell us uh, the quarterback position is open again like it was a year ago, right? I mean, it's it's pretty well defined. Uh, you know, we don't need any – there's too much propaganda floating around in the world right now if you know what I'm talking about uh, to have that going around. I don't believe Ryan will, will perpetrate that. But, uh, but the bottom line is I want to see – one of those two guys that, boy, I hope we get to watch a little bit more of spring than we even we have in the last couple of years because I want to see what Devin Brown is all about. Got to see him in that uh, All-American game down in San Antonio. Got to watch that game on television. I've watched his highlights, you know, from both uh, Corner Canyon and before uh, uh, the name of that school southeast of, uh, of uh, Phoenix. I can't remember the name of it now. Interesting name. But I got to watch his highlights. He looks like the real deal. But I think that's as interesting a battle as they're going to be in the spring. You got to figure Travion Henderson to be their one running back, right? But Mayan Williams had a, I thought, an underrated Rose Bowl and probably should have been in there more than he was, et cetera. But that will be for next week's uh, conversation. Now, going into the uh, this week's uh, uh, combine, uh, what who is a who is a Buckeye that you think could make a, could make some money for himself at the combine this week? Well, that's a great question because, you know, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave don't need to do much about that. You know, they don't need to work out. They need to get a clean bill of health, and they're pretty much done. I think if I had to wager on it, Garrett Wilson would put more stock in his pro day and Chris Olave would as well. 
now we'll see. I, I could easily be wrong about that, but um, they don't have a lot to gain there. But somebody like Tyreek Smith, uh, he certainly could. And I think that the days sort of of the combine workout warrior shooting up the draft boards, I, I think those have kind of come and gone as teams have got burned and put yeah. some stock in the film. Like Tyreek Smith is just going to have – he's going to test well either this week in Indy or in the Woody in a couple weeks, um, assuming that he's fully healthy. And I think that's – teams are going to put in the film, the game against Clemson, uh, they're going to watch when he's fully healthy. Uh, you know, that stretch that he had in the middle of the year when he came back from injury, that he jumps off the film. And he didn't quite get to the Chase Young, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa level during his career that we always we always thought that was coming. There's a reason that we thought that. And that's because everyone can see the, the pure, raw athleticism, the strength and speed combination, the way he can attack, the fact that Larry Johnson has coached him all those things are going to work in his favor. So if he just goes through the interviews well and said, well, this game, you know, I had a stretch here where I was dealing with a concussion or I couldn't get healthy with the foot or the groin. It was really, I mean, everything from top to bottom for him at some point or another was injured. Yeah. If he goes through medical exams and they say he's good to go, uh, goes into the meeting rooms and shows that personality that we've all, when he was at his best and talking, like he's a phenomenal, uh, you know, character. I think he'll pass all those tests and teams are going to be like, you know what? Maybe it's a, it's always that dilemma is are these injury concerns going to stick with him or does he have more tread on the tires because he didn't have to play a ton of snaps in college. I think somebody's probably going to talk themselves into that yeah. once they play in all the other stuff when Tyreek Smith is at his best. And plus, man, if you can just wind him up and set him loose, I mean, you know, you only need a couple of plays, of, you know, that's why famous, thing with Nick Bosa and Joey Bosa you know you guys make two or three plays a game everybody thinks you've had a hell of a game you know Tyreek Smith is capable of having that flash moment you know I mean uh uh in you know I, I you know like like Baron Browning I mean you know they're he's capable of just running around a guy when you least expect it and making a play I agree with that 100 percent now Jeremy Rucker's going to be working out didn't he yes yeah see Rucker's the guy I've got my eye on because he uh, had good uh, the way I understand it, good workouts at the senior bowl and, uh, man, I'm, I'm telling you, more and more people understand more than ever now uh, the worth of having a seam-busting uh, uh, tight end. Uh, and, and let's face it, we really didn't get to see Jeremy Ruckert at his prolific best as a, as a pass catcher, let's put it that way, in the Ohio State offense. And because, like I've always put it, you know, if, if Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson or Jackson Smith and Jigba is open even farther down the field, throw it to them. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know? And uh, so, uh, but I just think that guy is, is sort of fresh too, in that respect, you know, he hadn't been beat up too much. And there's a guy who I think at the combine workouts, especially route running and things like that. And uh, in, in the work in the pro day at Ohio state is going to show off a little bit. And uh, I think it's going to, you know, really, uh, I don't know, upgrade his stock for one of another term, even though, it's not low to begin with, but I think it could take another, another upgrade. I don't know if you agree or not. Yeah, I do. And, and he will, he'll admit last year wasn't his best year at yeah. Ohio State and costly drops. And, you know, I think he'll, <clears throat> from that respect, he'll have probably gone into January and February senior bowl, the, you know, all the crazy workouts that they go through. They somehow in six weeks, they get into even more ridiculous shape with these guys and, the work that they put into getting ready for the combine. Um, they look even different than when they left after the Rose bowl and after Mickey Marotti had already transformed them. It's wild how that happens, but yeah, uh, I think he'll be motivated for that because it, it's not me or you or Kevin Wilson who was saying, well, he didn't play at that championship level, you know, and kind of got benched at one point there in November. Um, all that stuff will feed into this because it's the most important two, three, four month stretch of his life in terms of finding the right spot and maybe determining what that salary is going to be like. And, you know, he is a tireless worker that can never be questioned about Jeremy Ruckert. Um, and that stuff wasn't always able to be measured by catches in the Ohio state offense. We don't have to have that conversation again, but yeah. when it comes to just lining up and, and, you know, putting on those shorts and a t-shirt and running routes and doing the bench press, I'd bet on Jeremy Rucker, and I bet I'll bet on people being impressed 
with what he can bring them at the next level. And by the way, before I get to my interview with Nick Myers, uh, uh, Ohio State's men, men's lacrosse coach, off to a 4-0 start, uh, back to Tyreek Smith for, uh, real quickly. Man, the few times I ever got to talk to him, you know, because obviously one-on-ones are a rarity anymore, but I just always, always liked my conversation, the conversations with him, because he was thinking. I mean, he would he wasn't just sitting there giving you pat answers about things. This guy, you know, is a thinker, you know, and uh, and I hope that shows up in conversations and interviews he has with NFL teams. I think that will serve him well, you know, that uh, and, you know, he's all about and by thinking, you know, yeah, he, I'm talking about thinking about the game of football more than anything else. I mean, he's he knows he can be played better uh, and he knows maybe his best days are ahead of him and he'll be the first to admit it. But he's always thinking about that stuff. And it, I think it bodes well in these kind of situations, don't you? I agree. Yeah, he's a sharp guy. And, and again, it's we largely talk to him about the football stuff, but he, yeah, getting all the way back to high school, he has always had a lot of you know thoughts about things going on elsewhere too. So. The t-shirts he wore, you know. Yeah. It's a, so yeah. He's uh, and that's why I said like he'll have an opportunity. I don't know what all of them are going to do at this point. A lot of that they they get they show up the way it works now that they, they have their interviews, and they meet the media. It's like, well, what's your plan? Like, what are you going to run the forty? Are you going to do the bench? Like. They generally, you know, they already know that, but sometimes it's a decision of like, how do you feel that day? Because, you know, the, that combine has changed so much. And for Ohio State players, there hasn't been a lot of huge reward to actually working out and doing everything there. Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. Yeah. But now you know that Ohio State's pro day anymore has, it's circled on the calendar for every NFL team. So if you'd rather run in the Woody, if you'd rather lift there with Mick, you know, around to help, if you want to just catch your balls from the quarterback, you know, and not whoever they randomly assign you. Yeah. You have millions at stake, like just do that. And, and so I'll be curious to see, cause like I said, I don't think Garrett Wilson needs to do anything. I don't think Chris Olave needs to do anything. And I, you know, there Munford, Nicholas Petit Ferrer, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Is there a tremendous reward for that in Indianapolis? Probably not, but Either way, um, I'll be there, and and we'll try and keep abreast of all those updates. Yeah, especially now when every team is going to show up for Ohio State's pro day for for a good reason. For good reasons, yeah. number two, everybody will have uh, access to the times, the jumps, the reps, uh, yeah. the bench presses, everything. So uh, you're exactly right. It's kind of like a redundancy situation uh, for the pros to almost to make sure, but then they'll bring you in for a, maybe their own little workout or something, you know? So it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's just a crazy process to kill time until April. <laughs> but uh, I think before it, it'll get me through this week. And then after that, guess what? It's, Oh yeah. Well. well, I wasn't talking about you eating at St. Elmo's steakhouse every night. I wasn't talking about that aspect of it. By the way, I'll hit you up with a few other places. Barbecue heaven. You got to check that out. Dewan Jones highly recommends it just like I do. It's up on Martin Luther King, but uh it's well worth the drive, the short drive. But I digress. Uh, let's get to my interview with Nick Myers, man. I really enjoy talking to this guy. I got to cover a couple of his seasons back in the day when they were making some runs. And uh, I think the magic is back in that program, the men's lacrosse program. Uh, there's, just a, there's just a sense that uh, they've got some things going on they didn't have the last couple of years. And Nick's the first, first to admit that and agree to that. But uh, let's get to my conversation with Nick Myers. And as promised, ladies and gentlemen, special guest on my podcast this week. Yeah, we don't just talk about football on the Tim May podcast. I even talk auto racing sometimes, Coach Myers. But Nick Myers, the head coach of the uh, men's lacrosse team at Ohio State, off to a hot start. And uh, Coach Myers, uh, long time – well, not long time, no. See, I see you almost every time I go into Woody Hayes Athletic Center. But thanks for coming on, my man. It's a real honor, Tim. I appreciate you having me. And it's always great to be with you and talk a little bit of Buckeye lacrosse. Well, I hope you get a lot bigger honors as as the, as the years go by for you, Coach. Hey, yeah. real, real quick, though, I mean, what what's it? You know, obviously it's early, uh, it's early in this campaign, but there's just there just seems to be something special about this uh, lacrosse team that I wanted to get in on on the ground floor in, in terms of bandwagon jumping. If that, in fact, that's the case, I I break my legs sometimes jumping on bandwagons, but uh, uh, there, there is what I what I call special about y'all start is. You guys are, I don't know if you borrowed some stuff from Ryan Day or whatever, but y'all are playing offense, my man. Well, I appreciate you having me, as I said. And I think, you know, you know as well as I do when you walk into that atrium, one of the signs you see is you win with people. Yeah. 
And, you know, you mentioned the bigger honors. I'm not sure that that necessarily is the case. You know, I've been here almost 20 years uh, at the great, you know, in the great state of Ohio and, and working in this incredible athletic department. And so a lot of ways I've really grown up in this department. I started when I was 21 years old and, you know, I'm 42 now. And, and so uh, it's been really special. And, you know, you've been a fixture in the Woody Hayes for as long as I can remember and being around the program, being around football. And as you know, our offices are right next to football. I'm sitting here looking into the indoor facility. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, it's an opportunity to be around amazing people. And this, this team bringing it back to us, um, we, had a, we had a really interesting and, and challenging year in many ways last year. Um, but a year that I'll always reflect back on as a coach made me better. And for those athletes that endured, you know, what we asked of them, I'll always be very thankful for. And I think that really set the stage for, for what's happening right now. You know, we had for the first time in almost two years, about 25 or 30 of our men stay here this summer and train. And as you know, with the new Schumacher facility, that's a difference maker, you know, so be able to have our men stay in the summer and really get a summer of training in, uh, build that team cohesion. Our strength coach, Coach Carpenter, does an amazing job. And then, uh, you know, it really set the stage for a great fall. You know, our fall is similar to spring football. For those that are unfamiliar, we get about a four-week competitive uh, period. And we were able to scrimmage outside competition. Teams like Syracuse, North Carolina, actually Team USA that I'm working with came into town, and, and we scrimmaged them as well. And that really kind of, I felt like, set the stage for where we are now. We were able to, you know, bring in a new freshman class, 12 new guys that have been great. Um, we had a couple of transfers in the offseason. And as you said, it, it is. It's a different energy. You know, we had guys like Tara Fanko and Henrik that were three-time captains for us move on. And so we have new leadership, new energy. Uh, and I think we've really built on a lot of the experiences from, from a year ago to where we are now. Uh, it's still early. I know people are excited. You know, we were a team that came into the season unranked. Uh, first time in a long time we started the season unranked. Yeah. Uh, and then we, you know, we're up today. We'll see what we come out today. We'll probably be in that six to eight range. So, you know, I think that's caught a lot of people's attention. Um, but I, I do think that we knew we had something with this group early. Uh, but if you look at our schedule, there's, <laughs> there's no uh, there's no weeks off. You know, we're yeah. playing a ranked team almost every week from this point on. So it's there's a lot of work to be done. But a uh, long winded answer to your first question. That's kind of a, a quick recap of how we've gotten where we are. And it's like I said, it's, it's with great people, people like yourself and, and these men uh, that just love to put in a good hard day's work. But, how, you know, Maybe y'all have played offense on this kind of like on this level before. I'm, I know you have, but I mean, but just consistently getting these big, big scoring games from these guys. I mean, what, what is that just just another taking it to another level kind of a deal, an aggression kind of situation? How would you explain, you know, sure. j just the outburst, I guess? No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and for your listeners, I mean, our first year of Buckeye Lacrosse was 1949. Um, to give you context, uh, we it's the first time in Buckeye Lacrosse history that we've started uh, or we've had four games in consecutive row where we scored 17 plus games. So, yeah. you know, the scoring's up. Uh, I think one thing you have to look at uh, right away is we're in the third year in college across the shot clock era. So, you know, you look back in time with basketball when it moved from the four corners to the shot clock, you saw certainly an uptick in scoring will lacrosse. Just recently, three years ago, added a shot clock to the game. And so I think scoring in, in college across in general is up. Um, but we're in that top, you know, five to six right now in scoring offenses. And, you know, we've just we've had to evolve. You know, you look at the 2017-18 the teams that we had. Uh, those were defensive teams. You know, one went to a final four. Yes. Uh, the 2018 had the best defense in the Big Ten. Um, and we've just had to evolve, you know, our, you know, our, our if you will, like our competitive approach uh, yeah approach to just what it looks like to to win in the big 10 and with team like maryland in your conference yeah. you can't sit back i mean they're the standard yet you have to be building a team that's going to compete uh at their level and they're they're going to a final four or national chip almost every year so that that's exciting to have that kind of competitiveness in the conference uh the big 10 i think five of the six teams are in the top 15 right now so it's a, it, the conference top to bottom is and, and the one that isn't just beat Yale this weekend, Penn State, you know, a top five win. So it's it's a heck of a conference and from a competitive perspective. And, you know, the analytics, we've just looked at, it. you know, we've, we've figured out ways to, to kind of speed up in areas, how to use the shot clock, how to create more offense. Um, and it's been a process, Tim. It, it, it wasn't overnight. I think what I'm most proud of, you look at that Carolina win and we had 10, our, we had, our first 10 goals were from 10 different guys. You know, so we've we, we really prided ourselves on being able to spread it out. You know, certainly Jack's a guy that is kind of stirs the drink. 
um, for us offensively. But, you know, we're getting contributions from freshmen, seniors, fifth-year guys. A lot of different guys are chipping in, and, and that's great to see. It's what you need to be successful offensively. you got to score in different ways. Does Jack have a last name? Jack Myers. Yeah, no, no, no. relation. Um, Jack Myers, uh, he's, he's a senior <laughs> for us. Uh, he's got the extra year of eligibility that we're uh, – we're looking forward to having him hopefully back one more year here in the Scarlet and Gray. But he's he's really evolved each year that he's been here with us. He's a captain for us. And, uh, yeah, he's off to a great start. You ever run his family tree? There isn't any connection <laughs> at all? I mean, what, what, what's the deal, man? I don't know. We definitely we spell the name the same way, too, which is nice. They were great. He's actually – in fact, his family has a uh, – they live – they got a house in Naples, and we were just in Florida this weekend. So they hosted the team over their house. Wow. And the families, we don't typically do that. But as I said, with COVID, we haven't been around our families a whole lot. Yeah. You know? And so we got down there Friday. We actually had uh, a nice lunch over the house and uh, just some really nice fellowship. And the Myers family were great. So it was, a, it was a great weekend for Jack to be down there around his family. He had a big game. And, um, you know, just a, just a really positive weekend overall for, for the Buckeye Lacrosse family. Well, but what does it, what does it say about you guys? I mean, to see, this is why I've got a little feel for you guys. You take, you take these trips, but – you guys took care of business. You know what I mean? It wasn't, uh, you know, uh, wasn't just a, a trip down to, down to Florida in the middle of February, which most of us would, would relish. I got, I went to Vegas for, for a week, but uh, that's another story. Uh, but I mean, but you took care of business. What does it just tell you about what we're talking about here about this team? I mean, you, you, am I wrong? You do have a little bit of a feel for this team, right? And I know it's way early. It's way early. And you got a trip to Cornell this week, another a trip to, well, I'm, I'm not sure that's Florida, right? That's the opposite no, that's, that's, of Florida. Yeah. Hard by Cayuga's waters. But uh, but what does it just tell you about this team? I mean, about it having sort of its uh, maturity uh, act together. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if you look at the last two weeks, you know, you, yeah. you take a road trip, you defend the Woody Hayes, and you win your first two games over Detroit and Cleveland State. And, you know, those are those are at home early. You know, you're expected to win those games. And those are tough because, you know, you feel like you're kind of the hunted um, – and then I told the men, look, I mean, we're unranked. We're going down to Carolina. They were the one seed in the NC tournament last year. Now we get to hunt a little bit, you know, yeah. and, and I felt like we went down there. We were loose. We were focused. And we executed about as well as we possibly could in that second half, you know, and I think that gave our men a lot of confidence because um, we've seen it in practice. We've seen flashes of it, and we really felt like we put it together there in that, that second half of Carolina. Um, but it's tough to do on the road. You know, the road presents challenges, you know, things that you forget about with student-athletes just – classes buses you know we're not we're not always chartering places we, we you know we bust home from carolina we got back around 2 33 a.m and you know we're back in the weight room sunday around 11 o'clock so you know we're asking a lot of these guys especially when you go on the road three straight weeks and this will be our third weekend on the road right. um so it's a great test so i think going to your point is you find out a little bit about the character of your team i mean i always look at a team and you have your competence you know how talented are you and then and then what's the character of your team and you know, confidence is only going to take you so far, you know, and so I think this weekend down in Florida, there was a lot of tra distractions, you know, we were, the, we were the hottest team in college across last week, everybody's talking about us, Jack's the player of the week, you know, there's, there's families, there's sunshine, everything pointed to this being kind of a trap game for us with, with a really good Harvard team that we didn't have a lot of film on just coming out of the Ivy League, and, and they're very well coached, uh, we didn't play as well as, as we did the week before, there were some sloppy moments, but I think Again, going back to the character of your team to find a way to dig in. You know, we were down at halftime, six five, um, and come out in the third quarter. And you know, guys like Justin Anasio, Jack Myers, Jackson Reed, your leaders, you know, really just just took it upon themselves to get back, get us back in that game, and really kind of take it over. Yeah, um, you love to see that. You know, those are those are moments that you'll you'll lean back on it later in the year. So here we are. We got another really tough test going to Ithaca. You know, we'll bust there, so it's a it's a long ride. Um, and they're excellent. You know, this is the kind of team I told the guys that it's going to come down to in our sports. And as you know, I mean, RPI, if you're in that 15, 16, 17 RPI, you're a bubble team in men's lacrosse. Um, you know, so us in Cornell, this is a game that feels like a playoff game. We played them two years ago in the shoe uh, on ESPN and it was a one goal game. and it, it felt like a tournament game. You know, two teams that are physical. Uh, two teams that will be fighting hard for for either a champion, conference championship or an at-large bid at the end of the year. And so our men know the, 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 the magnitude of this week, and that's the exciting part of the schedule. Each week's going to have that feel from this point on. Oh, so let's just jump into something, too, though. You know, it's like, uh, like uh, you know, we were talking about the new, the new center there where you guys get to work out and stuff, and they're right across the street. Well, excuse yeah. me, right across the parking lot. Matter of fact, you probably mm -hmm. have to 
walk right through the little spot I usually park in uh, when I'm coming there for football interviews, you know, uh, you got, you got your new stadium underway and stuff. What, what is it just, it, it's kind of the opposite of build it and they will come y'all, y'all came and now they're building it. You know what I mean? Y'all are kind of coming on. It's more of they're coming on. So they will build it uh situation. But do you, do you sense it just a momentum in this program that's maybe unprecedented uh, in all kinds of ways? Yeah. Well, Tim, I really appreciate you asking And, and, you know, this is one for me that that's been a little bit of a labor of love over the years. You know, as like I said, year 14 as a head coach and my yeah. 19th season as a Buckeye, um, you know, we've been very fortunate in going back to Coach Tressel, uh, Coach Meyer, Coach Day. You know, I kind of feel like and you've seen this, you know, lacrosse has always been football is like little brother. You know, we've been able to those coaches have been so good to me and so good to the program and allowing us to use the indoor facility and the football practice fields and playing the shoe. And that's never been lost on us. You know, there's very few programs that have lacrosse at the power five level that have that kind of relationship with football. We've played in front of the spring football game several times, as you know. Yeah. Uh, so over the years, that's been amazing, you know, but I think with that presents challenges too, you know, from scheduling to practice times to, to really just having a place that you can call your own, you know, and, and hang your banners and you look at baseball and softball and soccer and tennis and wrestling and what we've been able to do in this, you know, this, uh, kind of pavilion, you know, Gene likes to refer to it as kind of almost like an Olympic village, if you will, yeah. uh, of athletic facilities, um, you know, to, to be able to now have this opportunity. And it's, it's, it's been a process, but the conversation really started after the final four with Gene about, hey, look at Penn State's done this team up north has, has created a lacrosse only venue. These are starting to happen now. Can we start to look at, you know, some, something like this? And, and he was great. You know, um, here we are, you know, years later, even got through COVID with it. Uh, COVID set us back about a year, but, you know, we, we got a $22 million, $21.5 million lacrosse-only stadium, fully funded by our, our Buckeye Nation, um, all, all, all fundraised. Wow. And it's going to be special. Like you said, it's right between the Cavelli Center and the Ty Tucker Center. It's going to have attendance of about 2,500 to 3,000. It's going to have all different types of fan experiences, whether it's grandstands, sitting on the berm. We're going to have a uh, an elevated deck you can look at from one behind one of the end zones, um, 360 seating. So it, it's going to be a perfect venue for us. Yeah. It's going to be a place that we can call home. It's going to be kind of a flag in the ground for, for lacrosse in the state of Ohio. You know, I envision high school men's and women's state championships being played there. You know, every young boy and girl in the state of Ohio growing up, you know, dreaming of playing in that stadium. And, you know, and that, that to me is a big deal. And then for our student athletes to have a, a, a place, I mean, your, your facility is your classroom. It's where we teach. And, and to know that we have a space that our men can go and, and not have to ask permission to, to, to be able to step into or, or worry whether or not they have to leave or uh, can go anytime. There's going to be a shooting room. Uh, it's something that I know is really important. And when you lean on the alumni, like I said, 1949 um, is when we got this thing started to be able to, to, to get to this point. I think a lot of these men and women never really felt like that was even possible. And, and here we are building a home on their shoulders is, is something that I think for our alumni is, is really exciting as well. So listen, I'll, I'll keep going. I'm, I'm fired up. We're, we're a year sure. away and uh, I can't wait to get you in there for, for a big home game next year. Yeah. No kidding, man. Save me a spot. But number two, are, are these guys going to have concrete walls to bounce balls off of? Like I watch them do oh, yeah. the Woody Hayes. Oh, I mean, the indoor you. facility. I mean, that's, yeah. that's one yeah, of my, I think coach, that coach me, sometimes I've had to dodge them. Go ahead. Now. That's what? right. That's right. <laughs> I think there'll be an, uh, an overwhelming uh, excitement about lacrosse balls no longer flying around the indoor field the way they have. So um, I appreciate that, that that can be sometimes a challenge. You're doing an interview and you got guys shooting over to your right. So yeah. we got a new home. We'll get out of your way and uh, it'll be a win-win for everybody. I'll tell you what I've always wanted to do and I've never did, never done it yet. And I'm, I'm going to do it eventually. You know, I, everybody knows me now. I walk around with a little mini uh, video camera all the time anymore. Forget about writing stuff down, you know, and um, I can't remember long enough to write it down. No, I'm just joking, but I've always wanted to stand behind the goal there when you guys when these guys are firing off shots, you know, at the goalie and stuff, just to give people an idea, you know, not, yeah. not a true sense, but an idea of what these guys are looking at and stuff, you know, from a, just how fast that ball moves and just the power in the game and stuff. And that's what I wanted to ask you, just as the training facilities ramp up, like, you know, the new facility there, what's the name of it? The Schumacher, what's the name of the, uh, yes, yeah, the Schumacher Center. I mean, have you noticed an uptick just physically in your team? I mean, I mean, yeah, you guys have always worked out. You've always lifted, et cetera. But has there been an uptick even in that aspect of it? 
Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's it's a remarkable facility. And like I said, I got to go back to Mr. Smith, um, you know, Janine Ullman, our leadership. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously Buckeye Nation who's made it possible. I mean, that's a $45 million facility. That's, huh. I think we're just, just maybe we're close to four years now old. Um, the big takeaway, Tim, I think for the student athlete, and, and you know football, you're familiar with the Woody, but but the other side of the building, what makes it incredible for our athletes um, is is just the ability to to come in and have everything in one space. I mean, you can meet with a coach, you can meet with nutrition, um, you can, you know, the guys are eating before and after practice right in the cafeteria. We call right. it the nest. Um, you got the weight room right there, the training room right there. So everything is within a rock's throw of each other. And I think for a student athlete, you know, the most important thing that they have each day is the ability to manage their time, yeah. you know, and, and to be able to, to be here for two, two and a half hours and have everything get done and then be able to leave and go back to being a student and really focus on that part of their, their day is critical to success. Um, the, the, the guys in building, you know, being in the Big Ten um, started in 2015 for men's across, for those that don't know. That up the ante, you know, in terms of physical play, what we needed to do, the way we needed to recruit uh, to be competitive in the Big Ten. And I think, you know, having men stay here in the summertime, like I said, having that 25, 30 man crew in the summer is critical. And that's something we just didn't have before the Schumacher. We didn't have the facility. We didn't have the amenities to really make that as attractive as it is now um, for our men. And now that we do and we're doing that, I, I absolutely have seen that change. Uh, I've seen the commitment to the, the weight room year round that you really need to have to, to make the changes you need to for a, for a young recruit who's 18, 19 years old to really transform into a Buckeye and, and, a, and a high-end Big Ten lacrosse player. So, yeah, um, yeah that, those are, those are, those, there's no doubt the facility's been a difference maker. So big thanks to Buckeye Nation and, and Gene Smith. What I've always liked about your approach, Coach Myers, is the, uh, is the for one of another term, the why not us approach, meaning, you know, I mean, just because – you know, we all know the traditional big time uh, lacrosse programs out there through the year, but why not Ohio State, right? I mean, that's uh, and and I think y'all are you're, this is an example of it coming to fruition, isn't it? It's just that, that that approach. Yeah, well, like I said, it's 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 we're not in in any way like looking at and reflecting type point at this stage of the game, but you know. We want Buckeyes to to understand and appreciate the responsibility of wearing the scarlet and gray first and yeah. foremost. There's nothing like it. Uh, it's the best university in the world. I know how strongly you feel about about Buckeye Nation, um, and you know I think for for our men to have that deep appreciation and respect for the Block O is where it starts. Um, that love for each other, uh, and understanding that 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 the only team that's getting in our way is us. You know we talk a lot about the, you know. <laughs> Our biggest opponent is Ohio State, you know, right. and I think our men have that healthy. We have that that sign our locker room says humble warriors. Um, I truly believe that if you can instill that kind of confidence in your men, that the only team beating us is us. Uh, it, it, it kind of points the thumb back at you. It, it creates a sense of urgency, but it also creates a level of confidence. Um, I mean, the last time UNC got beat by 12 goals was 1978 at home you know i mean you don't just go down there and do that kind of thing and for our men I, I just don't think there was a there was a real surprise factor you didn't you didn't sense that from our men it was like hey we went down there and we we executed and i think that to me is when we know we're on to something you know but we also know that hey man we were losing to cleveland state in the, in the first half and and they were they were getting the best of us so there's a humility there too of you know there's nobody that we can't beat and there's nobody that can't beat us and i think you know that type of work um that's a life skill in my opinion being self-aware teaching that self-awareness to young men, you know, the ability to, to continue to grind, uh, to continue to point a thumb and look inward uh, and to chase excellence. And, and chasing excellence means you have to delay gratification. You have to be able to ignore noise. You have to be able to push positives and some of that to the side and, and really continue to focus and fall in love with the mundane, you know, fall in love with the, the everyday grind that you hear about. And, and for student athletes now, it's, that's not easy, you know, and so being on that journey with men and you know, seeing the ability, I have guys that I can coach for four and five years and the relationships that you can build in that time is, is pretty remarkable. Um, and so we're getting great leadership from some of these guys that are 22 years old. And, and my hope is that these lessons, Tim, are, are life skill lessons that will carry them in life, you know, years beyond their time with Buckeye Lacrosse. Yeah. Concentration, one possession at a time. I mean, that's that's yes, the way sir. you build a championship season. Hey, uh, let's go back to your stadium real quick before we go. Uh, um is it going to be an all-surface uh, field? Uh, I mean, an all-weather field? I mean, uh, uh, what, what, what's, what, what's the plan for the actual surface? And what, what, what do you prefer in that regard, I guess? Go ahead. Yeah. 
Yeah, we've uh, we've worked with um, a couple of different turf companies. I think we settled on one. Uh, so it'll be a very similar service to what you see, you know, in Ohio Stadium in the shoe. It'll probably have a little bit less infill, you know, just our sport. We're not falling on the turf every play like you have in football. So yeah. it'll be a little bit faster. Um, the big thing is it's going to have a heating system. Um, so so Gene uh, gave the go ahead. We're going to put a heating system uh, under the turf. One of it, I don't know how many there are in the country like that. There's only a handful. <clears throat> but basically, anytime it'll be set somewhere in the low 40s. Anytime the field, uh, the temperature drops below 40 degrees, uh, the way it works is that, you know, the heating system will turn on and it'll just keep the field from, from, from freezing, basically. Yeah. We'll still have to plow it. Uh, but for us, January, February, we're outside every day. You know, that's our goal. And, you know, to have a field that's soft and, and that's where you get injuries, where you get into some, some sticky spots. So um, that investment, you know, that was a, you know, right around a $1.2 million investment to the, to the project to have that. But two thirds of our season are played in January and February. So this, yeah. is, a, this is going to be an incredible addition and, and really allow our, our student athletes to get every practice in and, and candidly, it'll take some pressure off the indoor facility. You know, now you have potentially 90 student athletes and men's and lacrosse that are no longer using the indoor. So it's a win-win, like I said, it's an investment, but it's going to make our, our venue and our field pretty unique that way. You know, uh, you know, it's going to sound stupid, but how important is it to like, have lacrosse markings sort of only on a field i mean i don't you know i think it adds to the ambiance like you're talking about i mean as opposed to and i'm not not because i think ohio stadium man if, if you can get a huge crowd in there that's a great place to play anything you know but how important is it because you know the Woody Hayes athletic center's got permanent football lines in it etc and like you said you're not here to slam football at all you guys have worked in partnership pretty well but yeah. how important is it just from an ambiance a feeling standpoint to have a field out there that's marked off pretty much only for lacrosse. Yeah. Oh, you mean, I think you make great points. I think that we practice on fields a lot of times in fall that don't have lacrosse lines on at all, Yeah. you know, or just the crease. So that, and that's just been our way of life. And Tim, you know me, I will play in the parking lot. You know? Yeah, no. <laughs> that, That's not our style. So, um, but I, I go back to the point I made earlier of just, you know, football, like I said, has been incredible to us. I mean, we feel like we have the best facilities in the country at our access right now. Um, this, this new home is, is really about our family having a place that we can hang our hat on, you know, yeah. and, and show our, our, share our story. Um, you know, we'll get three, 4,000 people in the shoe and it, it doesn't feel like you have a crowd in there, you know, right. and is the shoe an amazing place? Obviously, I mean, the men love playing in there, but it's, it's not home to muck out the cross. And, and we've always appreciated that and realized that, um, it's an honor to play in there and it will always be. Um, this new home is going to be a place, like I said, we, we anticipate sellouts. Uh, we anticipate this being a place from a fan experience that's second to none. Um, but the everyday use to go into a field that has your lines uh, where you can practice and, you know, we're not worrying about, hey, we're putting lines down, but pro days next week or, or yeah. if we put the lines down now and, and, and just that constant balancing act for our grounds crew and making sure that, you know, cages are, aren't where they, they shouldn't be. Um, you know, we've lived in that space, like I said, for 20 years, and now we're going to have a space where our student athletes, they can go out and shoot anytime they want. You know, they can go out to the field and have access to it, train on it year round, summer, winter, fall. So, you know, that, 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 like I said, it's a home run. I, I really feel like it's going to take, um, our program, maybe just to that next level in terms of the ability to recruit, but also really just to teach and develop players on a consistent basis. Coach Myers, uh, one last thing, you know, uh, yes, sir. I've been, I've been around, I've kept my ear to the ground a lot on stuff, even though I don't, you know, I'm necessarily covering stuff, but uh, you've had, you've had opportunities or at least uh, there've been overtures made to you in the, in the past. I, I'm, I'm under the impression of, you know, what, what is it about Ohio state that just makes, you know, uh, has made you want to, uh, as the old saying goes, uh, stand your ground here. What is it about Ohio state? Yeah. Well, I'm very fortunate to be a part of this department. They said that like, I've grown up here. I've had incredible um, opportunity as a young man, you know, just to learn from so many great leaders. Um, you know, shout out to Coach McGuff for last night winning a, a Big Ten championship, you know, and yeah, uh, the, women's the, basketball. Yeah, that's right. You know, the, the fellowship, Tommy Ryan, you know, one of my best friends and, you know, just the, the fellowship that we have as coaches here, I think is pretty unique. Um, and, and that to me is something that is really special. But my family, my wife and I, Julie and I, we love it here in Ohio. Our children, um, we're Buckeyes. And, you know, I just think that for me, I've never, the, the thought has never even crossed my mind. You know, we're, we're dug in here. 
Uh, we got big plans. You know, I truly believe that we're going to bring a, a national championship back here to Columbus um, and, and hopefully sooner than later, you know, yeah. but uh, it's just, it's to me, Buckeye lacrosse is a way of life. You know, it's, it's my faith, my family and Buckeye lacrosse. You know, I, I like to fish here and there. That's simple, simple things um, off the field. But now this, this is so much more than just a job to me. It's the people here in the department that have made it incredible, um, the support that we get and, and certainly the men. So very grateful to be a Buckeye and, and hopeful to be a Buckeye for years to come. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Myers, head coach of the Ohio State men's lacrosse team, off to the hottest start, in my opinion, in the nation. And Coach Myers, thanks for joining the Tim May podcast, my man. Yeah, hey, I really appreciate it. Go box. Take care. Boy, you can tell the excitement in Nick Meyer's voice, right, uh, Austin, that uh, not, not just the, the team, but the program, the uh, men's lacrosse program is on the is on the rise, man. And that new stadium, he is he's all but giddy about that deal. Can't blame him for that. I mean, it's no. just a, a tool in his arsenal there that he can use to bring in players and uh, give them a stage. Ohio State's doing – it seems like – you know, as you said, there might have been a little bit of a dip there and a flag in the excitement. It seems like it's been ste almost relatively steady growth other than that. Yeah. Since I went to Columbus and watching that program and you see those guys going pro and there are a couple examples of NIL deals that are helping there. So, you know, once you once you harness that brand and then you have all this other stuff that you can pitch, I mean, who knows what will happen? I, I don't know what it truly takes, to be honest, to build a lacrosse powerhouse, but I have to imagine that based on my dealings with Dick Myers, he seems smart enough. Uh, he seems to be personable enough. And now he's got all the resources behind it with Ohio State and all the other things that go along with that in the stadium. And got to think that they're going to be uh, able to compete now for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And what it takes, I mean, is he touched on it. It takes people, man. It takes the right, you know, getting the players. And what gets the players is success. And what else helps? Facilities. And what else helps? Backing. You know, I mean, basically from fan base, Etc. And uh, they're generating all of that now, or you know, they're going to have their own stadium here before you know it. And just, just everything's pointing in the right direction. Hey, you know what? Speaking of pointing the right direction, I'm going to point to the taxiway and take us into the parking area right now. But uh, what is other than Ohio State player? Who are you most curious to maybe run into, bump into, talk to at the combine? Is it going to be? Is Jameson Williams even going to work out? Is he going to be there? I mean, what? Who's that one guy? And give me a short answer. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I didn't check to see when Jameson Williams was talking. I had assumed that he was going to be there to let teams get a look at, at the foot, ankle, leg situation and, and evaluate that themselves. You know, I don't know. Like, it's crazy whether that matters or not. I mean, yeah. it's in the middle of the rehab. But, you know, you get to go through the interviews with the other teams and talk about the process and get on the chalkboard. Um, and I think it would be interesting if if he and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are all going at the same time, but they're all still really great friends. Like this, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't, we don't have to talk about that, but like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, like didn't want him to leave, you know, and right. James needed to find that playing time. It'd be interesting to have him again in that setting because Ohio state, the Ohio state beat tends to have more representatives there than any other college program. It's supposed to be, you know, it's for the NFL teams, but, you know, the, the interest in that program never stops and we're three hours away. Um, it doesn't make any sense not to be there to check in with those guys on their journey. And so that does lend itself to, you know, well, we haven't seen you in a while since last, uh, last April. Um, let's go into that decision again. And I'm sure he'll have some more nicely coached up answers, but I think he would definitely be at the top of the list. And Chad Muma because I'm just going to keep throwing him out there for people to add to so you can get the next Logan Wilson. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. There's the plug. By the way, I almost made it from my house to Indianapolis Motor Speedway in two hours and 21 minutes. So, uh, you know, uh, three hours, man. That's Throw it down the gauntlet. Huh? Well, Throw it down the gauntlet for me. You just to kind of hook up with a convoy and keep going, if you know what I'm saying, man. Uh, you know, you got to get in that draft. You got to get in the draft. <laughs> but anyway, hey, Austin. I almost slipped there and with your mom throwing tomatoes at me this late in the podcast. Austin, thanks for getting back in the, in the co-pilot's chair. I hope you're going to be in there for a while now, man, as we go through Ohio State's spring uh, football drills, et cetera, peruse what's going on. And, uh, and the reason it's important, I mean, I, like I said, I want my podcast to be all about Ohio State football all the time. 
but like, but like I've always remind people when we're talking about Ohio State football, we're talking about the national picture. We're talking about a team that's involved in the national run in some form or fashion every year. That's why it's important. That's why people from other places tune in. They want to hear what's going on. Also, that's why your roosters uh, uh, take every every Monday, you know, one of the more popular things out there because people want to know what's going on with this Ohio State football program, right? They sure do and uh, wouldn't have it any other way. All right. Well, that's all that's playing. That's all will be playing on our on our in-flight entertainment program uh, next week, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. But until then, for Austin Ward, this is Tim May. We'll see you then. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.